What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Mental Health Casual. I'm your host, Lucky, or Mental Health Casual, whatever you guys prefer to call me. I, I, I think I'm going to stop saying that because nobody actually calls me Mental Health Casual. I think it's just when I when I like talk about my channel that way. I mean, typically, my podcast is called Mental Health Chats. I mean, whatever. Anyway, uh, so today, I thought I would go off a little bit off the beaten path. Uh, by the way, I... <laughs> I freaked out because I saw a my last episode, and I thought it was the same as today's episode for my my other channel, Anime Casuals. So I freaked out and I took it off, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that I was talking about anime yesterday. That's right. Okay, never mind." So yeah, I I put it back up and everything. So guys, thank you guys for watching. I appreciate it. And today I wanted to talk about some of the things that I think led me to because I you know I've talked a lot about my story but I don't think I've talked about some of the mistakes that I've made and maybe this could help with some of the people out there that are dealing with uh, suicidal thoughts especially because I think once you get to that point there's a really how do I how do I say this in the in a hopeful manner but I I think you also have to be very critical about it as well right because you have to look at it in the sense that once you get to that place, it's really hard to get yourself out without some type of intervention or some type of realization of yourself. Uh, and both of those things are completely possible, right? I mean, it happens more often than not. But if it doesn't happen, it, it can go really bad, right? If there isn't some type of intervening factor that stops you from going over the edge, it can completely derail your like your life. I mean, you know, just be real here. You know, once you get to that point where you actually uh, are considering suicide as an option, there is a big drop-off point from where somebody's just depressed, you know? And, you know, I, I, here's some of the mistakes that I think I've made throughout my life. And I don't have these in any particular order. I didn't write a list. I didn't write anything, quite frankly. But I thought I would go into this as... Uh, as open as I could just so people could learn. You know, I just did a YouTube video where one of my subscribers had asked me, you know, how to find a good therapist. And I think that's a good place to start. So the first uh, first thing I would say is my mistake was that I lied to my first therapist about uh, my substance abuse. I was smoking weed quite frequently, and that was actually one thing that he told me not to do. And not for the reason that you think. It was actually mainly because I had social anxiety and he actually told me it would be better if you drank than smoked weed because THC, THC in particular is the thing that raises your anxiety levels. It's the thing that makes you high. CBD is the opposite, but if you have a lot of THC in something, it'll make you higher. Whereas in CBD, it's more of a, I, it's more of an inflammatory, uh, uh, what do you call it? An, an, what, what is the anti-inflammatory? Sorry, I was trying to figure out what the opposite of inflammatory is. That makes sense. And THC is the thing that makes you high. And a lot of people don't like to admit that they have, uh, they'd rather be high than feel better in some cases, you know? So with me, I was smoking heavily. I was getting paranoid sometimes. And, uh, you know, it, my weed habits ended up stopping me from hanging out with a lot of friends to the point where a lot of them were really disappointed in me because I wasn't going out as much. And this would change later. Even when I got sober, though, I was still, I would still go out with people, you know, even if it was to a bar or something like that, I wouldn't drink, I wouldn't do any of that stuff. And so, yeah, I think it was, uh, it was, it, it's important for you to be as open with your therapist as you can, right? I know, maybe, maybe you don't want to share some things right now, they're a little too hard. It's just something you don't exactly want to talk about. 
you know, maybe it's a very traumatic event and you don't really want to talk about it, then absolutely fine. If, if, if there is something like that for you, I would say maybe think about somatic psychotherapy. I've really been on this kick lately for somatic psychotherapy and uh, for good reason, I think, just because it's, it's, a, it, it's really a good way of dealing with trauma that doesn't involve you like literally living through it again you know, re-traumatizing yourself. I mean, what's that going to do, you know? So, yeah, I would just say that, you know, definitely be as honest. Like, you know, if they ask you something, don't lie. You don't lie about it, you know? Don't do not do anything like that. Uh, but if you're, if you're not feeling comfortable, just say you don't feel comfortable. You know, they understand that. They get it, okay? And the other thing about therapy I would tell you is, you know, realize that, they ultimately have your best interest in heart. There, there was a lot of times where I felt like I was at odds with my therapist and that was my own fault. My therapist never did anything to make, to make me do that. It was just, I felt, I felt this very smug feeling of, mm, it's almost like a psychopathic. It, it was almost like a psychopathic, uh, feeling to our sociopathic, I guess I mean, it's, it seems a little bit more psychopathic, but you know, it was this feeling that basically I could lie to somebody who has seen all these people and I would be able to get away with it, you know, no problem, you know. And, you know, it was really strange to me because I, it, it wasn't doing me any favor, favors, right? It wasn't, I wasn't getting any better because I was lying to my therapist. Now, eventually I got more on board with telling them my problems and stuff. But yeah, I mean, just like you don't want to lie to your doctor, right? I mean, listen, if you smoke, you smoke, okay? They're going to tell you to stop smoking. You know what the whole thing is. If you don't want to smoke, then that's your choice, right? They're not the police. They can't stop you from smoking, okay? So, And they can't stop me from smoking weed. Now, at that point in time, I thought maybe they could because it's, it's it was still an illegal substance at that point. But either way, I had my marijuana card, so it didn't really completely matter. But, you know, I really just wanted... I guess, you know, I just really wanted to feel like I was good, even though I wasn't, you know, that's why I would lie to them about how good I felt. Now I did feel very good. And like, when I told you, when I told this story about how, uh, you know, when they give you this, uh, they give you the sheet typically, I think it's called the Kepler six or something like that. It, it, it's space or Kepler nine, something like that. But anyway, they give you like nine questions and, uh, it's like, have you felt su any suicidal thoughts? And they'll give you a number between zero and four i think and zero is none at all one is uh once in the last once or twice in the last couple of weeks three is almost every other day and four is like every day like uh, several days or something like that um so yeah it, it can and i was getting pretty pretty often more than not ones and you know I, I wasn't lying about that but at the same time i wasn't truthful about the factors that were leading me to feel that way which was marijuana and things like that, that were kind of hiding up some of the things that I should have been working on, you know? So yeah. So be as truthful with your therapist as pos possible. Excuse me. My list came out there. Uh, number two would be as, be as honest with yourself as possible. So when you're, and these are, listen, this is not advi my advice to you. It's just things that I went through that I had to learn as I went along. So if, if anything, these are just my thoughts to myself being narrated by me. 
lucky. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, being honest with myself, I, I wasn't always honest with myself about things. You know, I, I always just said, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I am who I am because of my dad. I am who I, you know, all the all this stuff, right? Like you just, you think that you're, you never hold the accountab- accountability mirror up to yourself and say, hey, what, what am I doing? Like, what, what is this? What am I doing with this? You know, I, I didn't, I don't get it. And so, you know, instead of doing that, a lot of times I would just lie to myself and say, oh yeah, I'm here because my mom married my dad and you know, my dad's terrible. Now I have his terrible genes, you know, literally, those are literal things that I've, I've said to myself before. I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating on that, I thought, on that front. And, you know, sometimes I would lie to myself and say, oh, I can't get, you know, I mean, that's what negative thoughts are, right? When you get really negative, they're just you lying to yourself and saying you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, you can do this, but you won't do that. You know, that you you can totally do it, but you won't do it, you know. Or you can do it, but you're too afraid of failing. Uh you're too af- you're more afraid of failing than actually than actually going out and doing it, right? I mean, that's that's an actual honest thought, right? Instead of just saying, "Oh, I can't do it," right? I mean, what what is what does that do? What does that accomplish when you say you can't do something? All it does is tell yourself that, "Oh, I can't do it," and then it enforces it in your body so that every inch of your body doesn't want to go do something, and and then then you're just stuck, and then you're just stuck in this constant loop of, "Wow, I can't do this, so I'm not going to do this," and you know, it just keeps on enforcing things. You know what it reminds me of is there was this commercial, I think it was like Special K or some bullshit cereal that I don't like anyway. I, I don't really like, I'm not a big fan of cereal, but it was basically the commercial was this person ends up eating Special K and then they start making good choice after good choice after good choice. But when they eat like, I don't know, breakfast burrito or something like that in the morning, then they start doing terrible choices. Oh, I don't want to go to the gym now. And, you know, it, it kind of ends up, you, you lose momentum by not gaining momentum in the morning and you know the same thing can be said with your thoughts the minute you start going into that loop of craziness of insanity of of self-doubt you know self-doubt okay i I gotta maybe clarify here self-doubt is not the worst thing in the world but it has to be centered in some type of in some sense of reality, you know, like, you know, am I ever, hmm, okay, what, what would be something, um, you know, let's say I want to be a millionaire or something like that. I don't know. You know, my self-doubt would tell me, okay, I'm not going to be that for a long time. I am a constant, you know, let, let me at least try and build up my YouTube empire, my, my casual empire, as I like to call it, and keep going. You know, start off with the tangible goals first instead of doing these really long term, you know, goals that are never going to that aren't going to happen for a while and that you just keep chasing. Um, Those should be more in the background than as a forefront, you know, and, you know, I think being honest with yourself, you know, it can create some self-doubt, but it's not it's good self-doubt in the sense that, oh, you know what, I'm not as good as these people in this area, but I can try to be, and then, you know, if you try and then it fails and it's like, okay, I wasn't as good, but I learned a lot from this. You know, it's funny, the, the people that I've had on, on my, on my podcast, some of them literally go into life thinking that they're going to be something and then they end up doing something completely different, but they still use the tools that they 
learned in their previous i don't i don't want to call it a failed venture but you know their past venture that they realized wasn't for them and they end up going into their new venture and still using some of the ideas excuse me of uh, that they learned there you know i guess a good example would be like rob romance from um the witness podcast or what i tell my younger self you know, he he started off with a communications degree and then he went into nursing and now he's doing something in the communications field, which is podcasts, right? So he he uses what he knows to basically get that. And, you know, I think that's a really good, I think that, that one's in particular is a very good example of what you can do with um, with your past experiences, right? Like I was a philosophy major. Now I don't, I'm not, super into i like philosophy still but i mean philosophy if once you if you're in the field i mean you you can tell some philosophy people some people from philosophy are just like brain deadening we brain deadeningly weird uh those aren't words but you know i'll just make them words now and it gets to the point where you just like they just make up their own language after oh i guess like i did you know true philosopher fashion <laughs> and to the point where none of it becomes practical all it is is in this this i this realm of i intellectualism not ever applying it anywhere and yeah but i still use a lot of that to this day especially in when somebody's giving me some type of criticism i use it because you know in philosophy one of the main things that had to happen a lot was debates you know and you couldn't get if you got hot-headed in a debate all you would start doing is had ad hominem attacks for people that don't know what an ad hominem attack is is when you attack somebody's character instead of the actually attacking their argument right if you come up to me and say hey your podcast is not structured it's not this it's not that i mean i just don't think you're fitting what a podcast should be and i say well your mom's stupid that's actually yeah that's that i guess or you're stupid right you're you're stupid would be a more accurate one but you know your mom's stupid or uh you know doing something like that that is just an ad hominem attack all i'm doing is attacking your character instead of attacking the argument okay well the reason why i do these the, the structure that i do is because i do them every day i do you know certain things like that, right? You can answer in that way. And that's something that philosophy definitely helped me with. Ah, nice clean water. Anyway, so being being honest with yourself. Sorry, I went on, uh, <laughs> speaking of not being structured, I went on, on a little bit of a tangent there, but being honest with yourself, all it means is letting yourself know what you've done, right? So if you are like, that's how you figure out if you're an alcoholic or you're addicted to weed. I had to ask myself one day, like, am I accomplishing? Actually, this is a great question to answer, ask yourself every now and then in your life. Not all the time. I mean, listen, you're, you're not always going to be where you want to be, but am I where I want to be in my life right now? And if the answer is no, why are you here? You know, just real, two real simple questions that you can ask yourself. And I'll, you know, let me, let me, I'll, I'll lead by example. How about this? Am I where I want to be in life right now? No. Okay. Why am I here? Well, I'm here because I decided to quit my job and I decided to come out to Texas and I decided to chase my dream of being in some type of entertainment media. And I chose YouTube and podcasting to do that. And is it becoming, is it coming to fruition? Not, I mean, not in the sense that, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan over here, you know, I'm not doing anything crazy, you know, we don't have sponsors or anything like that, but is it getting to the point where I'm getting better at my craft? Yes. So am I seeing tangible results? Yes. Am I becoming a better person? Yes. Am I getting better? Like, and by my craft, all I mean is like being better at speaking, being better at 
saying things off the cuff. Like this whole interaction right now is off the cuff. And I've been trying very, 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 very hard to not say, uh, and a lot of the things I usually say, I, I don't know exactly what they are, but, uh, you know, I was just watching Harry Mack. He's a freestyle rapper. He's awesome. Check him out. He does these Omegle bars where people on Omegle give him three random words and he to inspire his freestyle. And he was doing a, uh, like this really cool masterclass. I'll actually, I'll put a link in the description box down below if you want to check it out. But he was talking about how he learned how to freestyle or how he practices freestyling, right? And the way that he practices is he tries not to put in filler phrases like when you're doing when you're doing a a rap, right? Like uh, let's say I, you know what? I, I guess you know uh, if if you give me a random word like soul, you know he he tries you know he puts it in, but he tries not to put like random. So typically, like a rap filler would be like uh, or he likes to do it's Harry Mack, yo. And he'll do that as a way to let his brain func uh, brain figure out things. Kind of like when I say, uh, you know, when I'm trying to think of a thought. And so I've been trying to stop. I've been trying to stop saying those things. I'm, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm trying to stop saying those things because uh, I've. Oh, well, there we go. Because I've realized that they're very distracting. And so these daily podcasts help me in trying to figure out how to speak you know i've been oh well that that's actually one see i've, I've exposed myself you know is a typical thing that i like to put at the end of a sentence to make it longer so that i get more time to think of my next sentence so listening to that really helped me figure out how i want to keep going with these podcasts because obviously i don't want to make i don't want to you know end up there it goes again i don't want to end up going into this loop of the same, the same, the same without getting better. And I guess the next one would be to learning how to forgive. Something that's very difficult, even for me. And the reason why I say even for me is because I talk a lot about forgiveness, but if I'm being real here, I don't think I've fully forgiven my father for everything that he's done to me. And I don't think I've completely come to terms with the fact that he's gone and he can't, I can't literally make him answer for what he's done. No. And that's something that you, I have to live with, but at the same time, I don't have to let it dictate the way I live my life. So an example of this would be when I was on, having a conversation podcast i think is what it was that'll be out actually next week if you guys want to check that out and i was on i was on this podcast and i was talking about how when my father passed away i ended up uh i ended up talking about you know the last day the last days of my father and you know i was really into I really wanted to just lay into him. I really wanted to just let him know, hey, you know what? You ruined my life. You did this. You did this. But he was—he had a tube down his throat. He had, like, no strength whatsoever to really write anything on a whiteboard. He couldn't do anything to me. And I decided not to lay into him. I decided not to tell him exactly how I felt. Now, I have told him that. I've told him a little bit of this. But he came to more of the realization himself, which made it even more it pissed me off even more that I wasn't the one that made him realize it. It was literally the people around him that forced him to realize it, but it was, 
I don't know. There was a lot to it that I just felt I just felt like I wasn't the one that changed him. I think that was the worst part about it. it. It almost made me feel like he really didn't need me throughout all those years. Something that I've always had to deal with throughout my life. And so learning to forgive him and forgive myself. Because the problem is we forget about forgiving ourselves for things that we've done. One of the things that I talked about right when I got out of the mental health hospital, right, was when I was in my outpatient procedure. I one of the things was they asked us, you know, what are you trying? What are you learning? Or who? What, what was the question they asked us? Like, what? What? What are you trying to forgive? And who are you? Or who are you trying to forgive? And I said, I'm trying to forgive myself. I'm trying to forgive myself for letting myself get into the situation. You know, because if I had just been more alert to my mental health, I probably wouldn't have gotten into that situation. And that's still something that you have to come to terms with. You know, for forgiveness is sorry. I say I, I'm saying you know a lot in here, but I'm not saying it nearly as much. Not nearly as much. But when I was going through that mental health hospital, I realized that. There's so much forgiveness that has to be done. More forgiveness for yourself than probably anybody else in in most of our cases. I, I think that's more in people that internalize their conflicts a lot more. There are some people out there that end up externalizing a lot of things. You can see this in hmm. You can see this in some of the the more extreme activist cultures, right? That are going out of their way to find an enemy out there to exploit, to attack, to instead of looking inside of themselves and say, hey, what can I do to not contribute to this? Sorry, what can I do to not contribute to this craziness, you know, to this destructiveness that's happening in my world? And for me, I ended up realizing that every single time I watch something that is about a psychopath or a sociopath ends up going on a crazy killing spree, there's a gun-toting maniac that goes into a school or something like that, instead of looking at them and saying, oh my god, how could they have done this? I just can't fathom how somebody could do this. I instead take a look back at myself and I say, how can I not become this? How, how can I stop myself from doing this? Because as much as we like to say that these psychopaths, and th this is my next step, I forgot to actually mention it, is to look at to look at how you can change yourself rather than just changing the world. Because once you change yourself, that's how you change the world. Now, this is a this is a quote unquote. Okay, I, how am I going to say this? This is a quote unquote quote from Mahatma Gandhi, but I, I looked it up, and apparently, it's not actually exactly the quote, but it's still a really good freaking quote, which is be the change in yourself that you want to see in the world. That's not exactly what he said, but it was something to the, to the effects of that. I think it was a translation error, but anyway, yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. You know, why wouldn't, how are you going to change the world if you can't even change yourself? You know, if you can't even change the things in your life that you want to change, if you can't change the things in your life that you want to change, how are you going to change things in the world that you want to change? On a macro level, on a micro level, if you can't change anything, then how are you going to change things on a macro level? Sure, there can be some things, but are they sustainable? If you haven't figured out how to sustain things in your own life, are they going to be as sustainable? Probably not. 
So you have to figure out those things on your own and figuring out, I figured out very quickly when I was in philosophy that morality is very, we like to think of ourselves, each one of us, right? Right? Because if you think about it, we're all our own main character in the story and everybody else is a side character, a villain, an antagonist. Nobody else is a protagonist in our life. That that's just the truth of it. You can maybe be focused on somebody so much that they seem like the protagonist in your life, but you're still the protagonist of your own life because you you're the main character. There's no way that you're not. There there's absolutely no way that you're not because you're always in your own shoes. So you're always the protagonist. And so when you're thinking about this, you have to think about it in in the sense that you're the you're the protagonist in your in your own story. You're the hero of your own story. So what kind of hero are you going to be? You know? And so real quick, I just want to make sure I, I write, I tell you guys what a protagonist is in the best terms, right? Protagonist, the leading character or one of the major characters in a drama, movie, novel, or other fictional te text, right? So the Joker from the Joker movie was the protagonist of the Joker. Even though he is ultimately a bad guy, he's a villain. A protagonist does not, he does not, it doesn't differentiate between villain and hero, right? You could be a piece of shit and still be a protagonist of your own story. That's just the truth of the matter. And Batman would be the antagonist to Joker if it was his own film. So when you're going through life, ultimately you're you're the protagonist of that film, no matter how much you focus on other people's lives and you want to forget your own. So figuring out that... Real figuring out real quick though that each person is their own protagonist in their own film actually is a lot scarier because you start to realize that people are a lot more like you than you realize. So that's why when I talk about people doing school shootings, people going psychopathic, I always try and come back to the fact that I, I want you guys to do this. This is kind of a scary exercise, but yeah, trust me, it's it's really worth it in the long run to make you understand people and to make you more self-aware, right? Think about the worst thing that you've ever seen in history or the worst act, whatever, whatever the most atrocious act is that you can think of and think about what, would, what steps would it take to get you there, right? And be as honest with yourself as you can. Let's say the most horrific act that, let's start off small, most horrific act, that you could imagine yourself doing would be to kill somebody non, not in self-defense. Let's just say it's a morally, it's not morally ambiguous, right? Killing somebody out of self-defense is not morally ambiguous. It's the wrong thing to do. Okay. So how would we end up doing that? Killing for revenge would probably be the easiest one. So if somebody ended up hurting your family immensely and doing something you know, what would it take for you to go out there and kill in revenge, in the name of revenge? And if you were truthful with yourself, most likely, not everybody's going to feel the same way, but most likely, maybe if you're a psychopath like me, it won't take as much as you think it would. And you'll start realizing, oh, if I didn't have a foundation like my family, and if I didn't have a strong foundation in mental health, I might become one of these people, right? Because I'm they're not as self-aware to the pitfalls that they're falling into. But since I am a little bit more self-aware of my own psychopathic and sociopathic qualities, I understand that there is a really, it's really easy for me to fall into those 
those categories. And because it's very easy for me to fall into those categories, I have to be much more self-aware that I am that I need to take care of myself or else I could end up hurting this world in a way that I could never imagine, you know, just like my my father did to me and just like a lot of people have. It's always the unsuspecting people in life that end up doing the most atrocious things, isn't it? The people that shoot up schools are always these people. Oh, I'd never, never really thought about that with this. He's so quiet. But a lot of times the people that are least socially active are going to be the ones you want to kind of look out for the most. And as you go through life, that's going to be something that you have to kind of learn too. So as I've gone through this episode, I've kind of ended up, you know, tracking it kind of going on tangents and all that kind of stuff. But I think for the most part, these were just kind of, this is just kind of me figuring out my own stuff. You know, as I said, this is all narrated by me and these are just things that I've learned throughout my life. But, you know, if you can do anything with any of that jargon that I just ended up saying, then good on you. But as always, guys, you guys are more than welcome to check out all things casual. I link to you in the description box down below. As I said before, I'll have Harry Max class on how to freestyle which is just good for life i when you watch it it is fantastic and it's something that i'm trying to take to heart as a podcaster as well so as i go through i'm going to try and continue to be mindful of what i'm saying as i'm saying it so also if you guys would like to email me you can email me at mentalhealthcasual at gmail.com also you can go to the discussion page on my youtube channel if you guys would like to ask me a question there but as always guys don't forget to keep it casual.